right, let's do it. Let's hit the books. Part of the Hammer Betting Network live broadcasting from the beautiful Circa Hotel Resort and Casino on the Strip here, downtown Fremont Street. I'm merely Brad Powers. I am alongside the Never Punt, Never Parlay guys. You got Parker Fleming, Douglas Farmer. We have producer extraordinaire Zach Phillips. Guys, we are now less than 24 hours away from the time we've been all been waiting for. That is college football. We're starting off across the pond, Dublin, Ireland. We have Notre Dame and Navy, and we got two Notre Dame guys that m- might know a thing or, or two about the Irish, uh, myself and, and, and Douglas, and uh, we will be d- deep diving into that game, Notre Dame-Navy. We'll be talking the other week zero games. We'll be talking all the week one games and, and whether or not we have some value still left on the board. Keep in mind the lines have been out for several months, but this is my very first show broadcasting with you guys, the Never Punt, Never Parlay guys. I guess we'll just meet on the air. How you guys doing? How you how you liking Vegas so far? Doing it live. It's been fun. I think I've been enjoying it a little more. Douglas has written like 8,500 words and putting out three <laughs> columns, and I've just kind of been vibing a little bit more than him. So, it's football season. Um, there's there's no more. I, Brad and I have that in common. I think for me it's more writing, and Brad, it's constant handicapping, but it's just if I can get four hours of sleep, I'll take it. And I got four hours and 15 minutes last night. Parker, we're good to go here in Vegas. You got four hours. I, I take it you don't have a, a room overlooking the pool because it's tough to get four hours and 15 minutes. No, I gave Parker that. Oh, okay. And do, do you know what I'm saying with I the have, bumping music? I have, like, really good, I have really good headphones. So <laughs> okay. I was, Fair enough. Is okay. this what they tuned in for, to hear about our sleep habits and our, our, our paraphernalia to get us to those off? And, well, they want to know what kind of state of mind we are in when we start to give our opinions. But let's, This is my third Red Bull today. There you go. Let's start right into it, guys. Uh, starting off at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, Notre Dame-Navy. Notre Dame right now a 20.5-point favorite. Total's been moving, uh, whether, you know, depending if it's early in the summer, 48.5 up to 51, back down to 48.5, 49 in some spots right now. Yesterday I saw it hanging around 49 and 49.5. And yeah, and, you know, obviously the little bit of money on the under because of the weather forecast, rain in the forecast. Last I checked, and this was about an hour or so ago, rain is supposed to taper off come game time. And I don't know if it's the 1995 handicappers that think that, you know, a little bit of rain and the field's going to be soggy or there's going to be a foot of rain, a foot of water on the AstroTurf. I, rain, unless it's a monsoon, really doesn't factor. In Agreed. Air. Rain is overrated in handicapping. Wind matters. Rain, whatever. And wind about 12, 14 mile an hour. For me to get involved, 15 mile an hour or over. Let's dive into it. I mean, I, I've done enough talking already. You guys can take the lead here. What are you guys looking at as far as Notre Dame Navy? Yeah, I made, I made this game about 20, uh, right on the line there. So I, I'm not sure that I have a necessarily uh, an edge on that. What I'm interested in this game for Notre Dame is season long. I think they brought in Sam Hartman, led the, you know at the top of the leaderboard in air yards last season, and but at the bottom of the leaderboards in yards after catch. That offense was 50-50 balls, get it to dudes down there. What I'm interested in is who's going to be the dude for Notre Dame's receiving core? How are they going to shift away from giving 35% of their targets to Michael Mayer? And how are they going to be able to find that downfield offense now that they have Sam Hartman? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Notre Dame's offense as well kind of has this inverse kind of perverse problem. Their passing success rate was 81st in the nation. Their EPA per pass was 34th. Their rushing success rate was 21st in the nation. Their EPA per rush was 118th. So they need to figure out a way to kind of get those extremes more towards the middle, get that explosiveness consistently out of the run game, get that success consistently out of the passing game. How, how, what's that going to look like? I'm less worried about Notre Dame beating Navy than I am learning information for how that offense is going to look for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, and when you take a look at Notre Dame, I, I think a lot of the inconsistencies can be dwelled down to the quarterback position. Inconsistency there is why you got some inconsistent stats there. And, and look no further than last year's Notre Dame-Navy game if you want the, the inconsistencies uh, of all inconsistencies. Notre Dame 35 points in, in the first half of that game could not be stopped. Second half, Navy goes all-out blitz, cover zero. Notre Dame forget scoring points, can't even get a first down. One total first down that second half. Douglas, I mean, you're the Notre Dame guy. Uh, I've been reading you. I mentioned this before. We just went on the air. I've been reading your stuff for several years. I'm actually a fan. I'm just glad to meet you in person. You know what? how to make a guy blush in the morning, here, Brad. <laughs> morning. I mean. <laughs> Again, I got four hours sleep last night. We're, the time is a social construct. There, that can play, uh, you know, tricks on your mind here in Vegas. There's no windows for a reason. Brad, I understand your frustration with last year's Notre Dame Navy game. I have maintained for 10 months now that yep. Notre Dame made the right choice. Yes, Tommy Reese turtled in that second half, but Tommy Reese doesn't care about your bet. Tommy Reese cared about winning that game, and he minimized risk. He had to minimize risk because his quarterback was suspect. Our friend Tim Murray likes to disparage Drew Pine yeah. by calling him a Mac-level quarterback. Hey, he was in running to be the Arizona State starter, but Arizona State's not Notre Dame. I pulled up a stat this week, and by pulled up, I mean I realized out of, the no, out of nowhere when I should have known it all along, ignore last year's game. Look at the previous three matchups. Notre Dame averaged 43.3 points per game. The closest game between these two was 22 points. Is three years a small sample size? Sure, but it's intentional because in 2017, Notre Dame was effectively running an option parallel with Brandon Wimbush. Yep. But in 2018, 2019, and 2021, Ian Book, Ian Book, Jack Cohn, it was a traditional kind of quarterback. What does Notre Dame have now? A traditional kind of quarterback. That is how Notre Dame has found success against Navy. So I throw last year's out because Tommy Reese made the decision he made to win the game. That's yeah. what he's supposed to do. You'll look at how Notre Dame has played. Brian Newberry was the defensive coordinator for all three of those seasons with a traditional quarterback, and Notre Dame has had great success. That's where I lean Notre Dame here, and, and I know I'm talking to Brad here. He likes that over. Notre Dame scoring 43 points. You've got the over. Yeah, unless you've been living under a rock the last month or so. Very well documented on social media that I like the over in this one. I don't think it's being properly priced accordingly. I'm not a serious history guy, but you mentioned it. Uh, I could go back even further. Really, since Brian Kelly you know, took over, it's been a high-scoring series. To me, it's, fundamentally, it makes sense. Tough for Navy to replicate practicing against Notre Dame's passing attack. Vice versa, tough for Notre Dame to replicate Navy's option in practice. Now... The question mark I have in the game, I think may, might be the biggest question mark outside of what, what Parker was mentioning as far as the wide receivers for Notre Dame, I think it's the Navy offense and what it's going to look like. It's, it's not a worry for me, but it is a heck of a wonder. Parker's wondering about this game for the season-long look at Notre Dame. I'm wondering about this game for the years-long look at Navy. Yep. And obviously it's well noted, documented, the NCAA wants to get rid of cut blocking. So this isn't just a Navy issue, it's a service academy issue and how they're going to revamp their offenses if i'm one of those service academies i'm looking at what coastal carolina did the last three four years under jamie chadwell kind of a version of an option but a more modern version i would expect maybe some similar concepts here but the question i have and probably one of the reasons why there's some resistance on the over here is navy's quarterback i don't think they have the quarterback that, that's def, definitely malcolm perry's not walking through that door and hasn't the last three years <laughs> keenan reynolds isn't keenan, walking through yeah, that door no he's not uh so well and i i think that's interesting uh because navy's always kind of run like the weird flex bone like it, it's been probably the most exotic of the service academies yep. and they're still going to look different this year especially with ken N gone um but last season like they weren't even kind of that charming 
explosive pass, even though they threw Agreed. a couple passes. 105th in EPA per pass last season with a 123rd passing success rate. They didn't even have a credible threat of, hey, every eighth play, we're going to try to go downfield and, and, and break the top off. They've got to figure out how to restore the credible threat of that downfield attack. Against, against um, Notre Dame's offense or defense, though, fourth in EPA per pass last season, really, really stout and limiting explosiveness and only allowing a 34.2% passing success rate. I just don't know that Navy's going to be able to really generate anything here. I'm interested to see how they try, but I'm not optimistic that they're going to show us a lot in this uh, in this first game. Here. I promise the whole show won't be about this game, but I do want to <laughs> ask Doug one more thing. Rewatching last year's game, it was evident early Fofana, the fullback for Navy, gashed Notre Dame up front. Golden made some adjustments in the second half, even though Navy's offense had some success, mainly due to the fact that Notre Dame's offense was going three and out every possession. Yep. What do you expect, I mean, from Al Golden's defense? Linebackers are there. JT Bertrand's going to play. He, he missed last year's game. I think that was a big loss there. Uh, what are you expecting to see from the Irish defense in this one? It was a bigger loss than even you, Brad Powers, Notre Dame superfan, may have realized because J.D. Bertrand being out meant Jack Kaiser, another linebacker, couldn't play safety, which was the intended game plan, that they're going to move one of their most experienced linebackers to safety just to have that another diagnostic guy, a veteran, counter the triple option. So that alone can change things. Al Golden has simplified the defensive playbook this year. He criticized himself for that. Yep. He, if you remember, was uh, the Cincinnati Bengals linebackers coach, that Super Bowl run. He didn't get to Notre Dame until a few weeks before spring practice last in 2022. And that, he, he overdid things. He slowed that down. He's narrowed it in. And, and so there, that's another piece of your resistance, perhaps, that Notre Dame will make those adjustments and have a better, uh, better timing as Navy's triple option. But, Brad, I'm going to give you one more endorsement for your, oh. for your overbet. You want it? Yeah, since Absolutely. Brian Kelly's second season, 2011, Notre Dame has cracked 50 points three times against Navy. Notre Dame would hit this over three times all on its own. And now 27-year-old trends are relatively useless in college football gambling. But how often is Notre Dame in Ireland? The last two times it was in Ireland, yep. it scored 54 and 50. Marcus Freeman might just decide to put on a show for the Irish. I'm, I'll wrap it up with that. I think Marcus might have learned from last year's game. He said he rewatched it on the plane ride over. I think he's probably upset. He rewatched the second half only on the plane yes. ride over. He focused on the misery. <laughs> yeah, so I think if the opportunity is there, the foot, the, the foot on the gas pedal stays on in the second half, in my opinion. And what what, what a, a game to showcase, Sam Hartman. And all those years you mentioned, I would argue right now on paper, Sam Hartman's a better quarterback than what Notre Dame's had. I mean, going all through those last 10, 12 years. Guys, that's enough as far as I'm taking the position on the over. Nothing's really changed my mind as of Friday afternoon here. I'd like to throw out that I like Notre Dame at 11.5 in the first half. Okay. Because if that gas pedal item is a concern, Notre Dame to go up by 14 in the first half is very much a reasonable thought. Sam Hartman needs to establish a rhythm. I'd just like to say, if you can get that first half number, 11 would be better, but I haven't seen 11. I'm not seeing, I'm looking over here at an odds board. I'm not seeing 11 now, but if you can get 11 and a half, I'm pretty comfortable with that. If you get 12, 12 is not really a massive number in that situation. I like Notre Dame first half spreads. Do you like anything derivative-wise, Parker? Um, no, no. I think Douglas and I had talked about you could get Notre Dame uh, in in the first half here. Uh, this for me is a, a learn about both teams. Uh, just my number is too close to, to where where it sits at the market right now. And speaking about learning about teams, there's six other games on the week zero slate. I'm actually going to leave the board completely open to you guys. Is there another game 
or two that's really catching your you're, eye. Or you're just up. setting up Parker. He's got one here he really, I, I really it. likes. If, I, if Parker were looking for a way to enter the circuit competitions coming up, this <laughs> is the game he would hit. If Parker wanted to find $1,000 to enter Circuit Survivor in an NFL competition, which registration closes September 9th, you've got to come to Circuit to register, but you get a proxy, you can play it from anywhere. If Parker were to do that, this is the game he would play because that's how much he likes this play. To join that Circuit Survivor competition, he would make this bet, get that thousand dollars join it or maybe he would do the circuit millions which that's only six million circuit survivors eight million only six million circuit uh, circuit millions is an nfl against the spread competition again you've got to come to circuit to sign up but you get a proxy you can do it from anywhere it's got quarterly winnings throughout the season and then this is how it would end for parker with his with his good college football bet he'd go enter an nfl competition he'd finish last and there's a prize for last place finish just because circus that generous they don't only have us here but they reward our failures too parker what game would bankroll you to enter the 14 million dollar guaranteed contest from circus sports uh like you you know bet uh bet responsibly but uh <laughs> I, I do like i do like ohio versus san diego state i think we might have a wrong team favorite situation ohio returns 19th most offensive production they have an experienced quarterback their offense last season 14th in epa per pass they can clearly move the ball down the field 10th in passing success rate they're rushing uh 3.1 percent less than the average team so high volume passing high efficiency passing that's going to replicate bringing back most of their weapons on the offensive side of the ball against the san diego state defense that frankly outkicked its coverage last year they're 31st in epa per play allowed they were 42nd against the pass 34th against the rush they lose a lot of returning production this game uh might 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 be uh right for an over as well because san diego state is returning 123rd most uh, production on defense. Ohio is returning uh, the 133rd, the absolute last in FBS returning production. Not to mention Ohio last year gave up the most air yards of any FBS team. So this offense is an offense that can be passed against. Unfortunately, San Diego State's passing attack ranked 90th in explosiveness last year. Uh, really couldn't string things together. I like Maiden. I like that uh, San Diego State's going to try to go downfield. But the issue is, I think uh, only 9% of his attempts were 20 plus yards downfield last year. He had a 23.5% turnover-worthy play rate, and he said a quote that sometimes they have lulls in practice. He said that as recently yeah. as August. Makes me very nervous. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think Ohio is going to be able to score enough against the San Diego State defense that the Aztecs defense is not going to keep up. Give me Ohio. I think you can still get that at plus two and a half. Uh, give me all the way up to the money line to a pick em for for Ohio this week. Parker, I like threes. to I like to warn you if I'm going to put you on the spot for something, but I didn't warn you on this one. I'm looking at your graph right here, and so I like to understand them a little bit better you've got a total there if i combine those two numbers at about 43 you've got ohio 22.75 san diego nearly 21 43 44 the over under right now is 48 48 and a half 49 now you're saying it could be a shootout in your head obviously you're saying shootout so it goes a little further than your numbers is there a number there you like san diego shootout is uh, you got a san diego i, I understand but th this are... is a big difference that's why i'm bringing it up yes yeah. in this instance a 47 point game for san diego state could be a shootout i'm wondering where you how how high you like that up to i think if that's 48 i mean i'm i'm looking at again with my numbers and uh and, and where it's at 46 47 is getting us still well, pretty, no, pretty comfortably I, that's right now if, if you want to go over oh if you want to go you want to go over you're saying shootout, I assume over. Oh, no, no. So I'm saying a San Diego shootout, but it's still hitting. Still hitting okay, okay. State, I'm glad I asked. I'm San very Diego glad State I asked. scoring 28 points here would be absurd. Yeah, very I'm, glad I'm, I asked. Yeah. That was not what I was hearing. Very glad I asked. So even at 48, you still like that under? 
Um, I, I would lean that way. I don't think that's the biggest value play because I do think that um, we're still learning about the uh, the clock rules and how teams are going to change their behavior with the new clock. And we'll then it's learn. a good thing you can get a 49. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, I, I stronger play for Ohio plus two and a half. I will bring up the first mention of Joey Kanish. He got us on Ohio. <laughs> uh, you know, I was hoping he'd be a little bit more patient in the summer marking, uh, su summer betting markets. I'm one to talk there, but uh, he gave it out five, five and a half. Right, Zach? About a couple uh, months ago. Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little envious. Find? Well, that was the most widely available. So uh, okay. That. You know, right now I'm looking at an odds board. There is a slightly juiced three on the market. Uh, we, neg 118. We did finally see it was one way Ohio action all summer long. We did finally see some buyback. Makes sense. You threw a relatively key number. I will say this. I am very concerned about the San Diego State offense because yeah. they kind of gave a preview in the bowl game. If you remember, Ryan Lindley took over the play calling and it was probably the most idiotic game plan I've seen offensively in 30 years of watching college football because I'm not joking. I think once they got up on Middle Tennessee by 14 points, San Diego State would have been better off literally taking a knee every single play instead of throwing it 40-plus times. I don't know why. They turn it over five times, and somehow they lose a football game limiting Middle Tennessee to minus 66 rushing yards. How do you do that? No business, yeah, no business losing that game at all. And bowl games are always weird because how much do I carry over the next season with the motivation gap and everything? But I think that's a good example of like, you should be at your best versus Middle Tennessee State's defense if you have a robust downfield passing attempt or a passing attack. And, uh, and San Diego there. State really didn't seem to have it. And of all teams, Middle Tennessee State's biggest win last year was just that passing attack against Miami. It kept that coach employed. I did. Uh, what looks, a fun game. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> that yeah was, was that a, was that a sh unnecessary stray? My my apologies to all those in Murfreesboro. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's still a decent shot at Miami too. Unbelievable to, to get dominated as a 25 and a half point favorite in that game. Is there any other matchups that catch your eye? There's a, a couple more competitively priced games tomorrow. We got Jacksonville State in their first game as an FBS team against UTEP. Money's on UTEP in that one. We also have the the game everybody's been waiting for. 7 o'clock Eastern uh, kickoff time on ESPN. We're talking Massachusetts at New Mexico State. And Louisiana Tech, uh, FIU's in the mix there. USC, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, is playing tomorrow. Any other bets uh, or anything intriguing? Parker, you, you want to go ahead and, and praise the New Mexico State offense here? I, I, like I, New Mexico I know who State I'm talking here. to here. I like yeah. Diego Pavia. I think he's good. Yeah. I think he gives them a dual dimension on offense. I think UMass is, is really, really limited on defense. I don't even think that. That's an objective truth that UMass is really limited on defense there. Um, and I think this is two teams that are on similar but different uh, development trajectories. And I like the fight in Jerry Kills, man. I think that Pavia in the second half last season was able to really put up some pretty crazy numbers against against New Mexico State competition. But God help him, he plays in New Mexico State. I can't ask anything yep. else out of him there. <laughs> um, I expect much better than 118th offense this season, um, 116th in the, against the pass, 104th against the rush. I think that they will be able to stretch this UMass team out. I have this big. I have this so big it makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, I think a lot of that is the returning production here. But if you can get, uh, and I believe currently you can get New Six Mexico and a half. State, six and There's a whole half. lot of six, uh, seven, a mostly seven, mostly seven on the board, but there is a a, a far away six and a half. Yeah, so you got you, you got a seven there. Um, I, I I'm I'm pretty interested in that. I've talked myself through that this week. That uh, I like Pavia. I like the quarterback advantage, and I think that kills a coaching advantage over Don Brown right now. So Brad, that sounds like what I'm going to watch after Notre Dame is dispatch Navy because I'm going to need something while I'm working that in the background. It sounds like that's going to be my play, and not you know, no offense to FIU, Louisiana Tech, or or Hawaii, Vanderbilt. You're not going to fight on. You're not going to watch the trophy. 
Trojans? Notre uh, Dame's arch rival? I have a thought on USC. Well, you don't have the Pac-12 network. Uh, well, I, I'm boy. If Circus Sports cannot get the Pac-12 <laughs> network on in the sports book, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have some questions for the people in charge here. They're very generous, <laughs> but that would be a little bit of a failure. I do have a, a USC thought. I, it is maybe a first ever that there's enough data of a coach entering a season with a clear known Heisman contender that you can establish a trend. Lincoln Riley has entered a season with a Heisman finalist or Heisman winner six times in the last eight years. And in those games, he has done nothing but abuse the opposing defenses in the opener. Those teams scored four of those six games. They scored within the first four minutes. The fifth game of those six, they were up 28-0 after the first quarter. They're going to come out hot. Those uh, six quarterbacks in those games, and two of them or three of them are Baker Mayfield, but in those six games, they threw 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, and averaged 305 passing yards. So in my mind, it's hit USC hard and early this week. First quarter, first half? Uh, first quarters are a little harder to get. First half, absolutely. Any, it, it's, it's darn near any number for me on that one. Makes sense, too. San Jose State, I mean, you look at their just team profile. I mean, defensively, lost, a, I would argue, their top three, four players on that side of the ball. Uh, and major question mark. And I would even argue, because I do follow USC quite a bit, even when you get to the second half, USC's skill position talent backups are still going to be significantly more talented than the starting lineup for San Jose State. So I don't think that juggernaut stops. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a big guy laying a lot of points. If you uh, narrow my subset to when Lincoln Riley was a head coach, because two of those six yep. games he was Bob Stoops' offensive coordinator, if you narrow it to when he was a head coach and you exclude uh, that when they played Derrick King and Houston before Derrick King redshirted the rest yep. of the year, you exclude that game. So the three openers against the likes of Rice and UTEP, they uh, were favored by similar numbers and covered all three. And two of those numbers were bigger than this. So there's definitely a thought there. It just makes me a little more uneasy. Furthermore, all three of those options went over the total. So anytime Lincoln Riley enters a season with a, a known and proven Heisman contender, he's not coming in slow. He's got a game plan for that first half. He's got a game plan for that game. And he's not afraid to... Sorry, San Jose State. It's not going to be a pretty open to the season. Have you gotten involved, Parker? Um, I, I haven't. My one thought, I think, is that uh, I, I actually kind of like the opportunity for a backdoor cover here from San Jose State. They can move the ball pretty well with Cordero. Seventh in passing success rate, 37th in EPA per pass. That USC defense is not good and not going to get magically better overnight. They're still going to have some issues. They're figuring out who they're going to play, certainly, and, and figuring out who's going to be a guy. And with San Jose State, I mean, obviously, you don't step on the field unless you think you have a shot to win. But they know what the odds are. They know what team is. They're not really expecting to come out here and blast USC, really even make this competitive. What they're looking for is wins. So the motivation factor in the second half is really high. They have an offense that can pass pretty well. Uh, and this number is so big that I would, I would be slightly more inclined towards a USC first-half bet or trying to, uh, trying to figure out a San Jose State second-half backdoor cover just with this big of number with the passing attack that San Jose State has with that experienced quarterback, Cordero. And, Brad, that first-half number is only 18-and-a-half right now. You can get USC to cover the first half by fewer than three touchdowns. In, the, in some of these openers, Lincoln Riley's averaged 33 points in the first half on his own. Like there, there is a, I don't know, Parker, you can praise Chevron Cordero and San Jose State and their past happy offense. Do you expect them to score two touchdowns in the first half? Probably not. And even if they do, I'm in range. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think that the second half would be a lot more uh, likely just given right. the, the motivation differential. I will say, 
I, I, I think the San Jose State passing attack is not at the same level of a, a Rice or a UTEP. I don't think it's abysmal and hopeless. I think it's it's, yeah, it's good point. So, um, yeah, but I don't I don't know. That's not a strong play for me. I certainly would agree on the first half more than I would agree on a uh, on a USC cover. Anybody watch, and I would say this to you, uh, if you're looking to bet San Jose State full game, I'd wait till tomorrow. I, I expect more public action to be on the you'd, defending you'd wait till yes. right before kickoff. Yeah. Yes. Five minutes before kickoff, hit that and, and hope that you can catch a hook. And I will say this. I don't take everything from spring games, but you talk about quick strike ability. Uh, Caleb Williams played three plays in the spring game, touchdown drive. So <laughs> they're, he's capable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. What, uh, else, uh, what other games, Brad, are you on? Uh, I'm on every single game, so I is, have like it is Brad yeah, Powers. Yeah, I have 83 to week zero, week one bets. So nice. that's why I was leaving you guys. Wait, for a moment there, I thought he was going to say he had 83 bets on week zero, and I had some follow-up questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I mean, I have. T- Nobody wants to hear the numbers I got. So, I mean, well, we'll Brad, let me, let me ask this. I yeah. always like to at least have an idea of how to approach the last game of the day because I'm working through the day anyway, and that's going to be on. And if I need something to keep me motivated, where are you on Florida International Louisiana Tech, if anywhere? Yeah, I am uh, originally on Louisiana Tech. I won't mention the spread that I got. It's currently at about 12 to my eye. Yeah, I, I am more on the FIU side now. There's cluster injuries for Louisiana Tech in fall camp at running back. Crosby, rewatching last year's games, was, I would argue, the best player offensively or defensively, at least the most impressive to me, rewatching a couple of games. He's out. Uh, the, the backup, Sheldon from Miami, Ohio, he's questionable, so that worries me there. Look, statistically, uh, FIU to me was the worst team in the country last year. I know they somehow found a way to win four games, including a double overtime game against Louisiana Tech, but uh, I'm not wild about FIU, but McIntyre's okay as a coach. I mean, he gets the most out of the talent at hand, and I'm just I'm not wild about laying double digits in a week zero game and a conference game. There's familiarity, so I'm going to lean. I'm going to fade the line move here at the current number and lean with I've FIU. I've seen 12s and a few 12 and a halfs, but you can very much get a 12. Now, the, the question is, that's a dead number spot. Where are right. we going? We going to right. 10? Is we it, going to 14? I would say 13, but yeah, yes. I would wait. This would be another instance where I'm waiting. Because, look, there's uncertainty. People are going to wake up tomorrow morning and want to bet college football. They're going to lean. In a game like this, they're going to lean towards the favorite because they have no clue, really. I mean, they'd be lucky to name the nickname of both these teams. Um, that would be uh, you, the Panthers for Florida International. Yes, Louisiana Tech. I'm not going to get there. It's a bulldog. Uh, ah, there I, we do, go. I do there like their go. offensive um, – I do like their offensive potential. Squirrel Williams from Baylor at explosive running back. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer from Boise State is yeah, there. Smoke Williams at, at wide receiver. Uh, and so if the pieces can get together, we've seen Sonny Cumbie at the Power 5 level as a coordinator, and it wasn't necessarily working. But at Louisiana Tech, theoretically, you could get a talent advantage. Um, yep. And so I, we got to see what their offensive line's like. I, I do like that. But, yeah, I, I would be inclined towards Florida International as an underdog here just because that number's gotten a little too big. And, Brad, you mentioned the injuries. I'm going to play off that a little bit. Yeah, I was a little bit bullish in the season win total market on Louisiana Tech went over five and a half because I agree with you. I think there's a high ceiling for this year's yep. team as far as the transfers, some high-level transfers. Look, Bachmeyer's first first game as a starter way back against Florida State in an opener is probably still his best performance. But maybe in a different system outside of Boise, getting away from those expectations might be a good thing now he's playing for more of an offensive-minded coach. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on our show uh, a couple weeks ago, Douglas and I actually have a, a beer bet on UTEP I'm not wavering. Tech. I'm and not I, wavering. I, I, I lean towards Louisiana Tech finishing higher than UTEP even. UTEP's uh, going to win the conference. I think, that, I think that offensive potential is really is, is, is really nice there. I appreciate your doubt, Parker. Only emboldens me. That's a good <laughs> bet because I, I don't know. I mean, UTEP's definitely the more stable. The, the official more, bet, the, Brad, the is who finishes sta- higher in the conference. It's not who wins. It's who finishes higher in the conference. If they I, tie, we go to the head-to-head. I, I, 
That's a good bet. I don't. I don't know who's well, come on. Favorite. Go it's, ahead and go it, ahead. It's why we didn't have a play on it and why we made a beer bet because we yeah. knew it was very close. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you know, Brad, I, I have a thought for oh. a beer bet for you. You may have eighty bets over the next ten days, yeah. but I guarantee you have not considered this prop bet. Uh-oh. Parker and I endorse two life philosophies. One of them is never parlay, and the other is never punt. Notre Dame punted four times in the second half against Navy last season. How many times does Notre Dame punt tomorrow against Navy? Oh wow. Uh I'm going to go, wow. I like to make your life difficult. Yeah. Well, it's going to be under four. I know that. I'm just going to, you know, do I go, I'm in between three and a half and two and a half. So I guess let's just go three. And I would go under juiced. Parker, you want to wager on that just to, just for a beer for the, the comedy here? Um, let's go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Notre Dame doing what they've done and, uh, and kind of pull it, pack it into the second half. I'll go over on that. You ready for the hot take? What's the hot take? Notre Dame will not punt in the first two weeks of the season. Dang. Wow. Never punt, is. never parlay. There it is. <laughs> wow. I, that I, is a hot take. That, I mean, that, that's spicy. Yeah. And obviously, Notre Dame, I mean, for those that don't know Notre Dame's schedule, they play an FCS school for the first time in history, week, uh, week one against Tennessee State. So, But it's still a hot take, I would think. It, it, if they punt against Tennessee State, I assume it's with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to feel pretty vindicated that they waited uh, 60 and 5616 minutes to get to that punt. <laughs> but it's, it's that kind of look for Notre Dame's offense. They need to prove it. And I knew I wanted to put that on you, Brad, and I wanted to get you unwarned to get your honest thought on never punting for Notre Dame this weekend. It happened multiple times against Navy. There was like a, a period yep. when, when Charlie Weiss was the head coach. I'm dating myself already. Where they went like multiple years, like three, four years without punting against Navy. But it was that's either a that's touchdown, all out the window as Navy's offense yeah. changes. All of that changes now as Navy's offense has to adapt to the new rules. But that's off topic. We were debating UTEP and Louisiana Tech, and Parker's wrong. UTEP will be better than Louisiana Tech this year. Uh, I, there's is there any other Week Zero game we haven't? Well, UTEP, oh, we haven't we haven't talked about y'all. We haven't. We haven't dealt with Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Yeah, let's do that. It's, it's Clark Lee, one of Brad's favorite defensive coordinators, and the fighting rainbows. Come on now. How can we forget about this? I, I like this one a lot. Uh, I'm actually on Vanderbilt this week. I think that um, last season Mike Wright uh, ran for like 300 or 200-something yards against yeah. Vanderbilt just with impunity, uh, excuse me, against Hawaii last season. And I think that uh, down the stretch with that A.J. Swan um, – performance and what Vanderbilt's kind of putting together I think that they're going to be a much more competent offense and less of hey we have a talent advantage and we can run over you and more of a hey we can string together downfield passing and run over you so I like Vanderbilt I think you can still get this at 17 if I'm looking right but 18 uh, 18 and a half is, is uh, I've seen a lot of 17 and a half yeah, but there is a, a stray yeah. 17 on a, on a I like a 17 book. and a half I've got this up pretty, up pretty high here because they can fall back on that rushing floor if they need to uh, Hawaii I think in a little bit of a rough spot I, I had them at 131st in EPA per play margin last season um, and really didn't do much kind of competently at all. They're going to pass a lot and kind of uh, try to sling it, stress the, against this Vanderbilt offense. But I really do think that, uh, that Vanderbilt's passing attack is going to be a little bit more of an actual threat this season rather than we can just run over you. And that's a little bit like, you know, the Bobby Bowden thing of like you have uh, crushing losses and then you get crushed. Like or you get crushed, you have crushing losses and then you win. In some ways with Vanderbilt, like an SEC team, it's, hey, you're getting beat. Then you're beating bad teams because you can run over them. Then you're beating bad teams because you can pass over them. So that's kind mm. of the next logical step in the development there. Uh, I'm optimistic about Swan. I think Vanderbilt's interesting to me. And uh, I certainly won't cash an over ticket on Vanderbilt as easily as I did last year. But I do think that they should show out in a home game here. 
And you know I'm all for Vanderbilt praise because I am the proud owner of a Vanderbilt 1,000-to-1 to win the SEC simply on value. That is a proud piece of my, my itinerary at this point in life. What do you have on, uh, Brad, what have you got on hand, uh, Hawaii and Vanderbilt? So it's probably one of maybe three games where I haven't bet the side or total. I can get talked into both. Uh, I do like Clark Lee quite a bit. I hope they have patience with him. They should after the two SEC They gave him a contract ago. extension this summer. As, as to me, should. that counts as patience. Yeah. Brad, in your world, if, the, if, if somebody gives you a contract extension, are they getting ready to get rid of you? Is, that, is, is there something well, I don't seen, know I've here? I've seen it before. Maybe, I they're mean, reducing, maybe they're reducing the buyout. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Look, I mean, I've seen it, it. I know it's Vanderbilt, but it is the SEC, and I I've seen uh, a guy win a national championship one year in 2010 and fired within two years. So, I mean, you never know what the SEC. With that being said, I, you know, Hawaii is kind of intriguing to me because I, th- this might not mean anything, but I, I try to think of off-the-wall type of stuff. And everyone used to watch Hawaii football 15, 20 years ago in the betting markets because they were the isolated game. They were a late-night game. They were enjoyable to watch. June Jones, Timmy Chang when he was the quarterback. I'm not sure if the market fully grasped how improved they were at the end of last year because everyone remembers the Vanderbilt game. I, I would make a case the first four or five games of the season. Hawaii was the worst team in the country, metrically everything. But the last eight games, something happened with their bye. After that, they covered seven of the last eight games by a significant margin to an average about a touchdown per game. They almost won a bunch of those games. I, I think had they won a couple more, they lost four by a touchdown or less, maybe the market would have grasped their improvement a little bit more. Uh, so I'm a little bit more bullish on Hawaii, at least full season. I bet over three and a half wins. It's just in this game. I, I this game, exactly. I, I don't. It's right around my number. I guess if a push came to shove and I had to absolutely bet it, I'd probably lean Hawaii. But I haven't gotten there yet. And the market's kind of. We've seen movement here. We've seen uh, we, we've seen buy on Hawaii's at 17 and a half, 18 down to 16 and a half. Immediate buyback on Vanderbilt. So there's a. There's a lot of you know conflicting reports on this. A lot one. of your argument there, I think, is also true of Vanderbilt. I don't think the betting public, the world, has grasped that Clark Lee is building this in a quality yep. way. Now they will, I believe. This isn't this isn't uh, technically it's day to day, but I believe Vanderbilt will be without. You see four wins there. Uh, I'm looking. <laughs> Parker, at... Parker's playing the schedule yeah, game, yeah, and Brad looking, is cheating yeah. off his computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at 2022 because I remember they were what yeah. like nine and three against the spread, but their yeah. average margin against the spread was like negative five and a half points just because this of that is, Vanderbilt game. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vanderbilt will this. be most likely without Notre Dame transfer linebacker Prince Colley. And so yep. some of their roster improvement is going to be a not AWOL, but absent for this game. That said, I, Brad, I will counter your Hawaii growth argument with Vanderbilt growth as well. Yeah. Who's the fourth? Who's your fourth win, Brad? There, um, I've got okay. We got Albany. We yep. got New Mexico. Yep. We got Nevada. New Mexico State is that on the road or at home? You're betting Hawaii against the fighting Jerry Kills. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I think we disagree. That is at home. That is at home. Um, Yeah. So that's the one we disagree on. So that's the one that that's the one that kicks me to the under. There's at least a win percentage chance against UNLV there. Like it's not a guaranteed loss, and you got to factor that in. Yeah. So you get a you get a half win between the for each of these, and that gets you to that gets you to four. So um, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Although I don't know, maybe a little beat down effect they do to go to Oregon the week before New Mexico State and hosting them there. So we'll see what that game looks like. It's not an SEC Alabama beat down. I'm not going to worry. <laughs> all, all due respect to Dan Landing in the second season, and I believe in second year coaches, but I'm not going to worry about that too much. I, you know, I got a note here from Zach Phillips, our producer, and I wanted to bring this up because again, what do we believe in here? Never parlay and never punt. Correct, Parker? I, uh, I endorse that philosophy. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have Amateur Hour Sports asking us, do you think Iowa will punt at all in their first game? Now, their first game is against Utah State week one, September, <laughs> September 2nd at noon Eastern. And instinctively, yes, because it's Iowa. 
That's that's a very simple answer for me. And yeah. and Brian France might need to average 25 points per game, but I, I like the question. I like the thought. But, yes, uh, I, we didn't mean to troll Iowa when we came up with this podcast name, but it's what has become reality. Over three and a half punts? I think I'd bet the over. I would. You can probably get that to five before yeah. I start to worry about it. And it's it's. I think the, they punted 10 times against South Dakota State last year in the opener. I least. hate this contract because it's going to create. Now, we get frustrated as gamblers when Tommy Reese turtles against Navy or when Brian Kelly goes for yeah. it on fourth down against Alabama in the semifinal. But they're trying to do their job. Iowa's going to have a point this season where the correct thing to do is to kneel it out. And there's going to be a question of will Brian France go for a touchdown yeah. to help his job status because he needs to average 25 points per game. And it's not... We, we gamble knowing we can get burned on that, but it shouldn't impact these players from his, play, from his contract. I'm sorry for my rant there. It doesn't really deal with gambling, but it is a problem for me, and I, I dislike it vehemently. Yeah, it does. It does make things interesting. I'm. Uh, yeah, I want to see. They're, they're not playing an FCS team this year, uh, and uh, I want to see. Western Michigan's close. It's not, <laughs> it's not far off. Uh, shout out to Tim Lester and his yeah. math finder, though. Tim, Tim Lester is um, long gone. Now it's Lance Taylor. You, uh, Utah State is not great, and if you believe no. what Blake Anderson's been saying, they're going to have a rough year. Uh, I wonder how much of a tune-up game they'll really make that, knowing that like. With with the cards on the table about the points per game, yeah. with losing to Iowa State last year, that Iowa State game matters a whole lot to Iowa. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of punch just because I think I think I was going to do a continue to sell, solve the Ferencian problem, which is how little can I do and still absolutely win a game. And I think that I think that they'll punt a lot against Utah State, trying to hide even if there is some kind of. Um, Cade McNamara offensive revolution coming to Des Moines. I think it's in their best interest to keep that under the radar uh, until that Iowa State game and then try to make up for it with points against Western Michigan and get that average up. Speaking it's, of, it's despicable. Ahead. That contract is despicable. Everybody <laughs> in Iowa should be ashamed of themselves. The people in Iowa who should yeah. not be ashamed of themselves are the players who believe the lie that they could gamble. I'm okay with their mistake. They shouldn't have done it, but it was a, a young mistake. <laughs> they were misinformed. The people who offered this contract should be embarrassed. I officially well, have no comment on this issue. JD, the AD, the AD who offered the contract, he's fired. So, I mean, th- th- there might be some truth to that. I am, I, it's not a slam dunk. McNamara is going to be 100% if right. alone play. So, we've seen one-way action on Iowa. I think some of it is the scoring. There's an opportunity for Iowa to put one on Utah State. I mean, even though it's Iowa's offense, I think they do so. But McNamara's been banged up. He's already coming off injury. He went down. I even saw the hot, the practice highlight. It looked yeah. bad. I hate that. The video of the yeah. non-con injury always just makes me, oh, it makes my skin crawl. I hate it for It makes him. me laugh that we're saying they could put one on Utah State. And the projected score, based on the spread in the total, <laughs> is 34-9, to 34-10. That's to putting 10. on for <laughs> Iowa football. That's that is, total domination yeah, that for Iowa football. Let's talk about Notre Dame cracking 50 against Navy three times in about the last decade. And here we're praising Iowa for maybe cracking 30. Utah State last season was, what, this defense was... Almost allowing a quarter point per play. Yeah, pretty pretty rough yeah. there. So I think that I think that if they were going to put one on on anyone, it would be Utah State. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Much like Notre Dame's receivers, USC's defense, I will believe Iowa's offense when I see it. Uh, last one we want to get to, Brad, I think, is uh, we haven't talked about UTEP and Jacksonville State. And I want to get your thought on this okay. um, because I'm there's kind of a trade-off there. So I'm in on Jacksonville State over four and a half for a flyer for, okay. for just a, a, a small amount. I don't disagree with that. Um, because again, what if like it's Rich Rod, right? Like I yeah. mean, I, I think we're doing there. What I'm interested in is what you make of the uh, line differential, offensive and defensive line between Jacksonville State and UTEP. How far away is Jacksonville State? Is that something we need to learn about in this game? Is that something that, that we kind of have answered going into this? Well, I like how you set me up for that one. You alley-ooped me. Yeah, I think that's the matchup to watch in this game because Jacksonville State has some. Dis- 
disruptive guys on that front, but what they don't have is a lot of size, and that worries me. Average front weighs right around 270 pounds for Jacksonville State. UTEP, if they have a strength, it's that offensive line. Even with the one kid transferring to Florida State, four returning starters, all upperclassmen. Average weight, 310 pounds per man. You put on the tape last year against a really good Boise State defense, and UTEP had no semblance of trying to throw the football, and they still were able to line it up and smash Boise State. I'm just wondering, as the game wears on, it's going to be a 90-plus degree day. Does that UTEP offensive line really wear down Jacksonville State? That, that was one of the reasons I took an original position on UTEP. But, man, at the current number, I think it's fair. I mean, obviously, Jacksonville State's going to be fired up. Rich Rod knows how to coach Absolutely. at this level. Uh, Douglas, what do you got on that uh, on that game? I, I'm just – it's my UTEP endorsement. It's some of these games, when I look at that, and I'm trying to make a conscious effort. Gambling 101, know what you don't know. Why do I not bet much NFL? Because I don't have time on Sundays to follow it. I know what I don't know. I don't bet much NFL. Know what I don't know. I don't know how Jacksonville State's going to translate to the FBS. I know I don't know that. So I'm trying to stay away from it for a little while. Even with my UTEP strength, and I, I, I'm going to win this beer off you, Parker, I'm trying to stay away from that game. Unless this, if this were to That's get a, a big li- swing game early on. If yeah. this were to get yeah. a little bit lower and down to a, a pick em, then my UTEP, uh, my, my belief in UTEP is probably going to show through. But until then, I'm trying to know what I don't know and stay off it because that's, that's just being prudent and trying to protect my bankroll. Very prudent considering it's weak. You know, we don't have any data points here. You say that, but I'm in Vegas. I think I will find <laughs> something to do with my t- I don't know what in the world I could even think of doing here at Circus Sports or downtown Las Vegas. I'll, I'll get creative. I'll see what trouble I cannot get into. <laughs> Well, we have, and basically, for those of you that are watching that have not been to Circa yet, they basically build a casino around a sports book. It's so magnificent. It, it's... If you want to bet sports, this is the place to go. If you want to swim, drink, and keep in mind, look, I'm not a big kids guy. I'm single and, and don't have kids. 21 and over resort. So, I mean, it's adults only. I, it's my favorite. I'm not saying this because we're broadcasting here. This is my favorite resort here in Vegas, being a local now. I, you, you have me now trying to think, is there somebody I believe in so much that I will speak out against Circa? And no, I mean, my favorite restaurant in the world is a half mile away. This is a, it's all a great setup, and it's very courteous of them, very considerate of them, very, very just generous to put us up like this and have us broadcast from this. Wow, that, that's a really high ceiling. I got distracted. It's a really nice place, <laughs> and I like it a lot. But I should bring us back to football because I was asked a question here that I feel very strongly about. Uh, producer Zach sent me the notes from The Onion Man. I don't know if we should take this individual seriously or if it's a satire or a commenter. Would you be buyers of Utah if we saw three against Florida? I have a very strong answer, but I'll let you two go first. Yeah, uh, if it went to three? I, yeah, right. This is what I was asked, Zach. Did I read that wrong? Or is, that is, that what a, it was? is that a trap that I'm reading? Right now I'm seeing or? four and a halfs and fives on the board. Yeah, I think I'm in on a three, Brad. What about you? Uh, three. That, that's where I start getting enticed. Uh, I mean, I got to know a little bit more. Uh, Keithy, uh, it's not just Cam Rising, the, the quarterback, probably being out. The line's telling you that for Utah. But Keithy, This line was eight and a half, nine and a half, two yeah. weeks ago, seven and a half, ten days ago, and yeah. it just keeps falling, which is a Cam Rising effect, but you're right. That, and to give some context on Keithy, Dalton Kincaid was a first-round draft pick, but in Utah preseason last year, he was their second tight yep. end behind yep. Keithy. That's, and Keithy got hurt last year and still has not been 100% even in fall camp, even though it's almost been a full year. I'll say this. Uh, yeah, I could get there because I had a little interaction with Kanish off the show. 
And I said, man, you know, Wait, you, I, you've met, you, you've discussed things with Ganesh off air, not in, not in person. This is all, you know, over apps and stuff. So I have never been face to face with Kanish. I know there's these conspiracy theories. And I was telling Zach, I am kind of as I get older, I don't know, I believe in a conspiracy or two. And that one's I've, I've seen worse. Joey, if you uh, want to prove you're a real human being, the challenge has been issued. We are starting to wonder him? if you're an AI bot. No. This is a heck of you the Hammer Betting yeah. Network has, wow. has shilled out all the money to create an AI bot in the form of Joey Kanish. It's funny. He's supposed to show up to these events. Bat bash, this one, the putting yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. No show each time. Yeah. He's not real. He's not real. He's <laughs> anyway, like, he's like her from the movie. I know her. he's watching. Uh, Where was he on Utah, Florida? <laughs> I, I'm interested in. I'm interested in in the kind of Keithy Kincaid transition. Even if Keithy can play, okay. Kincaid played so much like a whiteout, yep. um, and is a little bit bigger than than Keithy too. So it's the, it's the plan that he plays a little bit more like a whiteout. Do they need a beefier guy to come in in that second and third option and kind of spread things out there? Um, the general equilibrium of Utah's offense is is definitely off with outrising and, and yep. figuring out is Keithy going to be healthy. But I will say I'm not I'm not excited about a Graham Mertz-led Florida team. Yep, I don't know that yep. that's the opportunity. I think Is he the worst quarterback the film, in the SEC? It's a conversation point, and Utah's backup would probably be better. Maybe. and uh, But if, I think if you look at their film last year for Florida, some of the spacing was just weird. And, and honestly, Anthony Richardson overcame a lot of weirdness. So I think you could make an argument that the stability of Mertz versus kind of the, the positive volatility of Anthony Richardson makes the Florida offense a little bit more boring and a little bit better, but they've got to iron out some of these things where guys are running sail routes to the same part of the field and there's five defenders right there. They've got to figure some of that stuff out, and and uh, I'm not super excited about it to, to start the season, honestly. Parker, you're making me feel better and better about what I thought was going to be a hot take. I'll take Utah four and a half. I'm not going to oh, wait. Oh, you're going to lay four? I can't get Buy on bad news, sell on good. I am fading okay. the public overreacting to the quarterback situation. That's I it. understand why they do it but we go too far with it, especially in this occasion where it's the season opener. They've got all the time in the world to get this guy ready. It's not like it's a Tuesday injury and you've got four days to get him ready by Saturday. They, this backup, and, and to be honest, I don't have the name off the top of my head, has been getting ready for weeks. Utah is going to have a game plan to his strengths. It's not a usual quarterback injury in that respect. I will take the points at four and a half. I won't even worry about it. Give me Utah right now. So the worry, I, I got a couple worries. Number one, the backup quarterback for Utah is supposed to be Brandon Rose. He gets hurt in, in, in fall camp. So it's going to be the third string kid, Bryson Barnes. Has played. He Point actually, doesn't change. Yeah, yeah he, he uh, played a little bit and, and led the team to a scoring drive in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State a couple years ago. I, the, the, the conversation I was having with that hologram Kanish or whatever uh, was... <laughs> We you really know, started something here, Parker. You know. Don't let Never Punt, Never Parley on your yeah. very serious gambling shows. This yeah. is what we bring to offer. Yeah. The conversation I was having was it's always when you see a big line move, I should have bet more. Should have bet more on Florida. Should have bet more on Florida. But the reason I wasn't betting more on Florida because I'm not wild about Graham Mertz. I'm not wild yeah. about the offense. I'm not, I'm not wild about the overall roster. That One of the major reasons why, uh, you know, Mullen was fired wasn't because of the record. It was the lack of recruiting ability. And this Wait, it doesn't even have to be a referendum on Billy Napier to say no, I don't no, like no. where the Florida roster is right now. No, yeah. it's not. It will be, a, you know, the, the fan base is going to go crazy when they go 6-6. Six and six. I'm going to say that he did a good job. They're going to want him, you know, yeah. hang him from a tree, to be honest with you. Uh, I, yeah, the roster is just as bad as a Florida roster probably in 20 years. Probably. But you, you might need three. I need three. Okay. And I'll say this. Look, whether the market's right or wrong, once he gets confirmed out, you don't think the line will continue to drop? I mean, that's just what at some point do, there's a, at some point the there's line. a resistance bit because of all the Florida points you just made. At some point oh, there it, is. A I resistance. think the resistance is at three. Okay, uh, yeah. I would worry it's at four. Okay, if I if I yes, yeah, so I said four and a half. I'd rather four. But if I'm sitting there waiting for a three, it might never get there. Okay. 
Fair enough. Makes Is there another game uh, that, that, that's catching your eye? I know we could talk Florida State, LSU. Um, you know, I want to I want to ask one because it's just it's it's another unknowns. Nebraska, Minnesota, okay. in my my backyard. I live in Minneapolis, Nebraska. I want to believe in Matt Rule. Parker and I both have uh, Parker. I believe you bet. Uh, I took a flyer on Nebraska to win the Big Ten. I took a flyer on Nebraska to win the Big Ten West. Oh, wow. But it, it, they were flyers. We saw value in them. But there's still a seven-and-a-half-point underdog at Minnesota on what could be a, a middling Minnesota team. Brad, where'd you land on that? Because I'm not high on Minnesota this year. Uh, before key numbers where my bet is, I'll just put it at that. Uh, at seven-and-a-half, I think it's a very fair number, the current line. I'm indifferent on Matt Rule. I love him long-term. Love the long-term hire. I think he brings some stability. Uh, they're doing a good job in recruiting. I don't love the roster right now. Uh, I'm not sure they have the quarterback situation figured out. Although I'll say this. Generally speaking, I wanted to be pro-Nebraska this year because I thought the coaching for the last five years was yep. so abysmal, and they were much better than their record, not just for one year. We're talking five years because yep. of the – I mean, you could go through college football history and maybe not find a worse record than Nebraska's had in close games the last five, six years. So, uh, But with that being said, I thought the market – like it typically is, probably a little too optimistic about Nebraska because I did end up going under six and a half. I think six and six should be cause for celebration. I don't, I don't love hearing this, Parker. I'm I, sorry. I respect Brad's okay action too much. I'm, I don't love hearing this. I'm okay with that. I understand the logic behind it. And again, I, I have a flyer on it. You know, I, I, I It was think value. That, it was very much a value play of thinking the Big Ten West may have a relative down year and who knows what Matt Rule could do. Yep, absolutely. And I think that Rule has shown that he can win at, at certain levels. I think you could argue that I, I, there, there's certainly an argument out there that the Matt Rule revolution in Waco was actually the Joey McGuire revolution in Waco but history is so oh, that's in the weeds. I like that by the victors and we'll see we'll see long term kind of how that all lands out uh, I certainly have an eye on Waco this season with with Dave Aranda kind of first year having his guys in the defense and, and we'll see how that looks but with Notre Dame and uh, excuse me Nebraska and Minnesota I'm interested Minnesota's in kind of a weird position where they like uh, return some skill guys, but lose the quarterback and might have to like dramatically change the offense. Lose the best just, running back in program yeah, history. Lose, lose Arguably, I they, suppose they, they, they might you. have to just uh, they bring back the wide receivers and might have to move away from running a glance RPO yeah. 95% yeah. of the time or whatever it is. And uh, I'm interested in kind of how that affects their offense and kind of the governor on that offense. I, 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 I'm inclined to believe they're going to be much more traditional. I wasn't certainly, um, I'm, I'm going uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to botch his name, Kaliamankis, Manis. Kaliamankis. Uh, and uh, I, I wasn't certainly impressed. He wasn't in great situations last season, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it even has the ceiling right now of, of, of a Tanner Morgan in terms of that consistency. Um, they're they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to figure out what is our identity now that we can't yep. rely on this rushing floor to really kind of dominate. So I, 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 would, I would lean a little bit Towards Nebraska earlier here, maybe a feel-good win for Rule that gets them a gets them a game day or something, and then the, they get back down to Ooh. down to earth. Brad, I've got to give you some credit there. Every podcast I've heard all summer only refers to Minnesota's quarterback as the Greek passer or or whatever it may be. And here you go, dropping the actual pronunciation on us. That's that's, that's more good. than handicapping. That's caring. <laughs> I agree with Parker, though. I think uh, I think his arm talent's better than Tanner Morgan. I thought, thought Tanner had a noodle arm the last couple of years, but I think from a consistency aspect, I'd be worried. I honestly not worried about the running back position for, for Minnesota or a receiver or tight end that Spam Board get a tight end's really good. Yeah. I'm actually, believe it or not, concerned a little bit about the offensive line. They lost a lot of their interior guys, and man, watching the spring game, they just didn't look the part yet uh, like you would typically see from a Minnesota offensive line. Uh, I am both. I am on both sides of this game. When the news broke about that there there could be some locker room issues with, with Minnesota, 
you know how that is like with today's news like it just spreads like wildfire so i ended up taking nebraska plus I, seven and I, i'm very comfortable going on the record and saying that that was kind of a gross um way to try to capitalize on the northwestern situation and get some yes clicks. i don't think i'm oh, i'm I less agree. i'm less believing that there's going to be any fallout for minnesota yes. in terms of even interior culture or how they do things or how the players care about that program there was a bigger um, pj fleck worry a year a year and a half ago than whatever this nonsense yeah was. yeah so but i i think it's fair it does it does ripple through and the market yes. responds to it and that's part of being sharp here is understanding that these these lines are assets and we need to figure out how yep. they're going to move and not whether it's right or wrong but how they're going to uh, move. We did have a question I see here in the comments, Brad, about FCS lines. Well, um, Parker, I'm, before you get to oh. that one, let's stick with week one. We've got a question right behind that, another week one line while we're on week one. Brady Dolly asks, North Carolina State, UConn. Heard arguments for both sides. I'm seeing that at 14 and a half or 15. Obviously, North Carolina State favored against the, the fighting Jim Moras. I, I, I'm high on North Carolina State this year because of potential, but getting them early in the season is going to be an overbuy, which at that point, if I can get 15, I'm on UConn. I have a UConn ticket in pocket. Uh, I think anything above 14 certainly a lean there. I don't think, look, Jim Moore Jr. did an unbelievable job last year getting them team to bowl eligibility. And it wasn't like they were fortunate. This was a team that was banged up as any team in college football to skill positions. They had to play a freshman quarterback. They had to get down to a third string running back last year. So I actually think this year's team's bigger, stronger, faster, deeper, almost across the board. Um, and if that's the case with NC State having a brand new offense, maybe there's some things they got to work out. They certainly didn't think they had the wide receiver position worked out. They had to go and get Bradley Rosner from Rice late in the summer. So uh, he's lean, a quality player by all means. Yeah, oh, no yes, question yes. he is. He's going to start immediately. That's how bad their wide receiver room was. I do like the defensive uh, philosophy for NC State. I think it's as underrated a defense as any in the country. Uh, we've seen a lot of money on the under, but typically when you see low scoring, I mean, I just generally. I go more towards the dog. I mean, if it, I mean, when you have suppressed scoring, I mean, yeah. I don't want to be laying more than two touchdowns. Yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense there. And and UConn even you UConn even arguably should have won their bowl game against Marshall, who was a good team last year. UConn just did some did some bad football program things in that game and just and just made some mistakes. Uh, I think the ceiling there is really high, specifically on on defense. Um, you, you know, UNC is is you know negative negative zero point three. Not UNC, North Carolina, North Carolina State. State. You, North Carolina are, State. you are notorious uh, for this. Negative. Um, Negative 0.3 uh, EPA per play last year, and the, the offense wasn't wasn't great, even you know even with Leary healthy. I don't know that Armstrong is necessarily the magic weapon, but I do think that Doran is sharp enough to say we need to know what we've got and get as many reps against live football teams as we can, and they are going to chuck it. So uh, I'm interested to see how UConn can kind of stress test. Uh, will be will respond to the stress test of high volume slinging it downfield that we'll see with Armstrong there. And of course, there's the obvious. If you've got 15 as as is available, that's setting up for a backdoor cover. UConn's at home. There's even more reason for them to actually play the fourth quarter if they're down a good bit. That's sitting right there. Now, Parker, you started to bring up. We were asked by is this Max Hacker or Hawker? I'm not seeing my screen very well. <laughs> Any FCS lines we want to hit. Are there any FCS uh, to, uh, coming the, out tomorrow? North Alabama I, Mercer is at two thirty, uh, three thirty Eastern, and then Fordham Alabama Albany is at seven Eastern. Are there anything there you're looking to see, Brad? I think you're yeah, more the FCS the, expert yeah, I'm, here. I'm out entirely on FCS. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in. I would love to tell you all, but I mean, I'd tell you, but then the old Top Gun line, I'd have to kill you because I mean, I, it's going to be a race to get those lines. I mean, it, you don't have to be Elon Musk to figure some of those out. There's yeah. one team playing t tomorrow that lost most of their roster. I'm not sure that they're going to be priced accordingly well after a historic 
outlier high, the, the best team in the history of the program. Again, process of elimination, figure out who that team is. <laughs> Their former coach is in the news a lot, let me put it that way. So I'll be wanting to fade them. Uh, and then there'll be some other plays, uh, but unfortunately those lines aren't out yet. And when they do hit the board, it's a race for guys like myself. And Sometime it, early in the morning? Yeah, I would say 8, 9 a.m. If they don't get released what time tonight. Zone? What time zone? Um, 11 a.m. Eastern. Eastern. Okay, okay. Yeah, 11 a.m. Eastern. They'll wait till the last minute. They are late afternoon games. There will be lines up. I mean, the one game's on ABC, so, I mean, yeah. you would think that they'd post it. But here's Week the thing. Zero. The point Week is zero. They, they will move a touchdown. May I've yeah. seen totals move two touchdowns. And so that's why I'm not willing to say much right now. Yeah. Makes a, but makes even a after sense. it moves, after I bet it, I'll get, I'll get on Twitter or whatever. I'll, I'll say it because it, it won't be done moving at that point. Right, 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 right. Makes makes a lot of sense there. And that is a good opportunity. I, I think FCS can be a good opportunity to kind of sharpen your uh, your spider sense a little bit about the board and about what assets are priced, uh, priced, priced well uh, that you can maybe get some reps in and, and improve yeah. on your FBS betting. Uh, so, again, better Great responsibly, point. but uh, can't, you can get some low-stakes reps in there with the FCS games because the fundamentals are uh, a little bit more apparent, I think, is the way I'd say that. I couldn't have said it better myself. It is just fundamental handicapping, returning experience, because a lot of that, the fundamental stuff's not priced in accordingly. I have found the markets in the past are basically pricing it like it was the team at the end of the last season. Yep, yep, so if there's yep. fundamental changes, they're usually not you know, priced accordingly. Makes uh makes a lot of sense there. Um, anything uh anything else we want to touch on here while we've we're we're almost at an hour. That's a that's a beefy show. Well, I was gonna have us hit the big games, and now here producer Zach shows me a note from Brady Dolly asking about one of the biggest games of Week One. Obviously, the Week Zero big games we covered Notre Dame. We like the whole early over. We like the early spread. USC. We like the early over. We like the early spread. Week One big games, namely LSU, Florida State, and Clemson, Duke. Uh, I don't think Mason Smith's suspension is as idiotic as it is. I don't think that influences the betting line Agree. at all for LSU, Florida yeah. State. He's a good player, but a defensive tackle is just not worth anything on the spread. That line is hanging out around a field goal, mostly two and a halfs on the board, favoring LSU. I'd be pretty comfortable with a two and a half just because I'm high on LSU at the moment. You know, I'm indifferent. No bet on that one on the side. I, I guess I would. I was waiting for I thought the market would be a little bit more patient on the Florida State side. We saw a lot of LSU money. I think we, me and Kanish, the, the hologram, was doing a show very early in the process, like March. Florida State was favored at FanDuel, and I said, nah, that's wrong. LSU should be favored uh, in that one. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. We, we received a note uh -oh. that the AI bot would like to log in and say hello. I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. He's going to hold up a piece of paper to prove his existence? I, I'm not <laughs> oh, really, really sure. <laughs> oh, baby. Listen, you think uh, you boys living up in Vegas. I'm, I'm still out here grinding on the way to the casino. You think I was going to miss this? Please don't crash your car. Oh, My goodness, man, listen, yeah, The worst case, worst case, uh, you know, hey. They, is they, that an open they, container? What is that? That is, uh, we will note for the <laughs> listeners, that is uh, that is liquid death. That is water <laughs> in yeah, a can. That's the water, yeah, for uh, the kids at home, it's water. Yeah. Uh, Kanish, you got, a, you got a thought on uh, Florida State LSU while we got you for a second? Yeah, I bet, I bet the plus, uh, actually just uh, bet some plus three here, uh, like last night. at uh, I saw the Mason Smith injury. Some of the guys like plus three. There was even a little juice three and a half out there, but I'm, uh, I, I think at three, I'm 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 on the sentinels. That was the five price I was looking for. Um, apparently, you can't you can't get an autograph three years ago anymore and play college football. But 
NCAA yeah, is I'm nothing but three. idiotically consistent. Idiotically consistent from the NCAA on that one. Kanish, while we still have you before you, you wreck your car there, <laughs> Clemson-Duke is around 12.5, 13.5. I'm seeing both on the board. Where do you land on that as one of the other big week one games? This is a, this is a HTB Powers and Kanishi head-to-head. He, he bet, now granted, he bet Clemson at a much better number that's available. Um, I did play some 13. I think some 13 and a half was available. Finally took 15, but I'm on the, I like Duke in the under in that one. So I think there, I, I don't know if there's a 13 still out there, but it'd be Duke for me at 13. Played some under, I think 57 ish. So I am seeing uh, 13s. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that would be, it's, it's the Dukies for me, baby. I know, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we can middle that one, but, uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's, I think the guy, I don't know, I, I was going to take steam at some point. I know it got a little too high. All right, we got one more question for you, Kanish, before you, again, crash your car and spill that. It's only water in the can all over the place. Ask about Navy. (laughs) Uh, How many times will Notre Dame punt against Navy tomorrow? Listen, I'm hoping 45-38 Notre Dame. (laughs) So is that zero zero punts? The blue horseshoe never says a word on Twitter again. (laughs) He has the Navy tickets. Brad lives it up all weekend. Cannot wait for two thirty Eastern tomorrow. I'll have my, uh, you know, my my middies, uh, my new middies having your shirt on. Just like the record to reflect that there has been no confirmation of uh, heartbeat in this video. We have no uh, AI is very good these days. It's gotten <laughs> kind of scarily good. Liquid Death is obviously a paid endorsement. Obviously, I don't I don't know about any of this here. Hilarious, uh, Kanish. I I, pre- I appreciate you hopping in, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for all that and being in the car and getting your bets in and uh, made made the show a little bit better. So we appreciate that. We've got a poll in the comments right now about whether you're real or not. We will respect the results of those polls. Uh, certainly there. Um, Brad, you're on. Uh, you're on. Say hi to that parking lot lady for me, Kanish. You know with. it, babe. Hey, listen. If you guys ever want, uh, you know, a weekend in Detroit, and you you know you want to live it right, yeah. Listen, it's in on Detroit. me. Baby. Yeah, big fan of 8 Mile. I'll see you for the Bowling Green game. <laughs> I'll see you, bud. appreciate it, Kanish. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, you, Brad, are on the other side of that uh, that Clemson and uh, Duke game. You're on Clemson there? Yeah, uh, two reasons. Number one, I think the Garrett Riley hire is a significant upgrade. Whether or not you th- you want, you'd want a bigger sample size as far as Garrett Riley calling plays and whatnot, I don't care You know what his level is. I know it's better than what Clemson's had calling plays the last couple of years. I like that Davo Sweeney finally went outside the family and made a hire like that. It says to him that his you know, last two years for most teams yep. would have been good, good enough. It wasn't for them, so I like that. And I'll say another thing. I love Mike Elko. I thought he did a, an, as good of a job. Probably should have been National Coach of the Year. Yep. Uh, but they I, didn't play anybody, man. Go through their schedule. There was no Florida State. Where, where, there was where no folks Clemson. Are saying regression. It's not regression. It's your schedule. It's yes, your schedule, schedule returned to regression. So I would argue that Duke's schedule, as far as strength of schedule from last year to this year, gets harder than any team in the country. Not only this year, but I had to go through it probably the last 10, 15 years. That's how much more difficult it is this year. No Florida State, no Clemson, no Notre Dame last year. All three teams this year, plus more. I just, I mean, I, I know the market's against me a little bit on this one. It wasn't my favorite win total bet, but even though I love Elko, I love the returning production, I love the quarterback, I went under six and a half wins. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, they're, they're kind of an interesting parallel to the Kansas Jayhawks team that they played last season and, and, and lost to earlier in the season. I think if that game gets played in November, Duke beats them handily. 
Uh, yep. And them playing earlier, I think, it just got Kansas at the wrong time there. But you do look at the schedule. You do look at how they won last year and kind of the narrow margins with which they won. And it's hard to not believe that they are going to come back to earth a little bit this season. But again, that's not an indictment um, of them. That's no, simply a schedule item. Mike Elko is doing this right. It doesn't have to mean that their program's not going in the right direction. It doesn't have to mean that they're not taking the appropriate steps for it. It means point. that college football development is not linear. Right. It's going to go back and forth. You're going to have to build up in increments. Um, I also like Clemson. I think, I think um, uh, Brad, Doug, Douglas and I have been on, you know, the, the rumors of Clemson's demise, I think, are greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, they've been one of the best programs in, in the nation uh, for multiple years before. And uh, frankly, last year, maybe one, one interception. Uh, away from being in the playoff and, and kind of sneaking in. Should there. I go on my loyalty yes. rant all well, over again? Uh, Davos no, Sweeney is just too loyal. People just have heard it because I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I agree that it was as easy as flip the switch to Klubnik. I think you put Klubnik um, in that South Carolina game. They win. They're in the playoff. Uh, well, maybe, maybe, Done. but it's an unknown. But yeah, the schedule does get a lot harder for Duke, and I do think that um, Clemson, specifically in the past game, should be a little more consistent and a little more feisty. Um, even if I don't know that I love their receivers, I think that's more of a conversation for the national really good uh, point. playoff. Yep. Uh, but I just don't know if they have the dudes necessary to really extend that passing offense. I would agree. The wide receiver position is not where it needs to be, at least compared to other national championship contending Clemsing teams. I think defense is close. I mean, maybe not as elite as what they were in 2018, but, man, that defensive front's there. Yep. I love their pair of linebackers as good as anybody in the country. We'll see if there's – we talk mainly about the offensive side – Second year of calling plays for the new defensive corner, another year removed from Venables. What does that look like? Because it wasn't terrible last year. It's not right. like the offense did him any, uh, any favors. But uh, I, I'm, I'm a big buyer of Clemson. Not only week one, over win total, ACC, flyer on the national championship, Klubnik to win the yeah. Heisman. I have as much of a position on Clemson as any team in the country. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're in, in lockstep there. I don't, I don't think we have as much of a position, but otherwise we're in lockstep there. For us, it's more of a – both of us came to that independently on our Never pa never Parlay podcast, Tuesdays, 4 Eastern, and we love landed it. on it. That Cross-promotion, I love it. Hey, yeah. we're trying. We're trying. We're, we're building it from the, the bootstraps, right? But Clemson, it's, it's the value is there, and we, we overstated it. I'm not going too aggressive there, although I do believe I put them in my playoff beer bet against you. We do have a, co a comment here. Parker, I'm asking you this one blind because I don't know where you stand. You and I never placed any thought on Mississippi State this year, my primary thought is that's a, that's a program that is in the most unfortunate way possible in, in turmoil is, is maybe not the best word, but it's a transition. Obviously, the, the very, very untimely passing of Mike Leach threw it all into chaos there. They're going to change the offense, and this, these players were not recruited for anything but the air raid, and that alone will make me think we have not properly priced in the under on the six or six and a half wins. Yeah, looking at what I need for my Arizona under to cash as well, uh, you've got four wins uh, on that schedule, I think, between Southern Miss, Southeastern Louisiana, Western Michigan, and uh, Arizona there. But from the east, you do go to South Carolina. Um, you do get a Kentucky team that I think might be underrated. I don't know if I've, I've decided that they're underrated, but I think they might be underrated. Uh, and then your other home games are Ole Miss. You got to go to College Station. You got to go to Auburn. If they had if they had Arkansas and Miss in um, in Starkville, I'd be a little bit more interested in the six and a half there. But I think I'm leaning towards an over. I think I'm leaning towards an under here just because they're going to have to go. Uh, and get three wins there, and I just don't see three wins in that SEC schedule with the turnover. I mean, Will Rogers is an accurate as, as anything you could ask out of an air raid quarterback. Will Rogers is, and well, I think we not have an air raid anymore. Uh, right, and That's it's going to be a little bit different. And uh, you know what? What you can ask of him, I think, is limited in another system. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a hard under for me. But I think I, I think I'm on the under for Mississippi State. And then let's one, hit one more comment here from the Onion Man again. Is it a satire? It's Joey Kanish. I knew it. Brad, I'm deferring to you because you are our resident Bowling Green expert. 
Bowling Green looking like it's 10 against Liberty. Where do you land on that? It must be a week one game because I haven't put yeah. too much thought into it yet. Uh, so I'm very pessimistic on Bowling Green this year. I just thought they were very fortunate to get to bowl eligibility a year ago. Uh, we saw it in the bowl game, Pavia getting first down, scrambling left and right yep. on third and long to steal that game on a game that Bowling Green should have won, to be honest with you. Uh, but grabbing least, 10 here is endorsing, and Jamie Chadwell's offense is not an easy one to pick yeah, up. It no. is a rather, rather intricate offense for a quarterback to handle, so you're endorsing that right out of the gates. I want favorite. I want to take Liberty here, but there's two things bother me. Number one, Liberty's not had a good offseason. Uh, they, they've lost several players in their 2D for the season due to injury. They had an unfortunate player death. And, you know, forget it was a true freshman kid but what that does is a locker a room yes yeah we saw with san jose state was rock solid at the start of last season they had an unfortunate player death they were not the same the rest of the season only human like yeah only human for anybody but we're talking about 18 to 22 year olds yeah it's, you, it's you, you value them to handle you why is important why is football important you, yes. you start asking questions like that so i don't like that and then you know just pull behind the curtain right angle sports gave out bg a couple days ago so i don't yeah. want to get in front of that uh, do you remember what the number they gave out at? I missed it. 12. But okay. I will say yeah. this. With that being said. 12 to 10 is not a huge, huge no. number jump. With that being said, if I got a nine and a half, I'll lay it with Liberty. <laughs> All right. We should get out of here. Uh, and, and at some point, let Circa have some of our other business. I think Parker and I might go have a beer. It is Friday. We should go celebrate Friday in the way that that's in, appropriate. Indeed it is. Um, but before we go, one last week zero thought from each of you. Any idea, Anything we haven't mentioned or one thing you, you are... If you were going to put $100 down right now, not saying you will, but if you were, what line would you hit right now as we get out of here? I am on the over in Notre Dame Navy. You it, are on the over in Notre Dame Navy until you die. Yeah, I mean, it, it's literally going to be almost a life and death situation. I don't want that. It's not ideal for the first game of the season, <laughs> but that's how important it'll be. Brad, I believe we're watching that together. I will I will be stressed working, and you will be stressed on that. We're going to be a really, really relaxing couple of guys to be around. And on that note, the one line that I like, and I, I placed a bet on it simply for the gimmick of having the ticket with me here, Notre Dame first half, you get 11.5 or even a 12. Anything under two touchdowns, I'm very much on board with that. Notre Dame first half tomorrow against Navy. You got one? I can get a Vanderbilt team total at 37 and a half. I'd take that. I think that's where I that, – that might be something we talk about this afternoon. I love that digging. I, um, I, I think – because I like Vanderbilt with the spread there, and I was just thinking about my numbers and putting it together. Trying and to avoid a backdoor cover I, by finding yeah, a different I, angle. Right. I think and I've got them, I've got them projected at 40, and I'm, I'm usually generally, generally uh, pretty conservative on these big lines anyway. Uh, yeah, we both I, like Vanderbilt in general. You like their quarterback me, a lot more than I do, and I like him a lot to start with. Give me a Vanderbilt actual competent passing performance this week. Hot damn. I'm excited about that. That's, that sounds like the right way to get out of here. Here we are at, oh, that's right, Circus Sports taking care of us this week. Parker, I, I told you as we got into the car at the airport, uh, was that just yesterday? I haven't slept in a while. It's been a long, it's been uh, a long couple days. <laughs> my ego did not need Circa to send a limo to pick me up. I know producer Zach put it out on Twitter that they sent a limo to pick him up. We're not that important. Circa, appreciate you. Very nice of you, but I don't need – there was a beer in the limo, Parker. There was. It was wonderful. I felt very fancy. There should be there some was, full, full a shelf beers. Yeah, a full certainly, shelf liquor in certainly there. Certainly a way to go to Vegas yeah. for the first time for me is to get picked up in the airport and such. Yeah. And it's been great to be here on Radio Row with uh, everybody here and get to network and meet and just enjoy kind of kicking off the season with the Circa Survivor uh, and uh, or the Circa Football Preview. Make sure you check out the Survivor and the Millions Contest. You can sign up. Got to be in Vegas to do it, but can play from Not anywhere. Vegas, Nevada. Right, you Nevada, go to Reno yes. or there's another one that I'm forgetting. They have at least Sparks. three. Sparks. Okay. 
Carson City. This is why we. This is why we have Brad. The heck with his 80 plays on week zero and week one. The heck Anderson. with pronouncing Minnesota's quarterback's name correctly. Yeah. He knows where all the circus sports are. Love it. There's quite a few of them, and but I'll tell you what, though the crown jewel is right here uh, at the Circa Resort and Hotel, my favorite hotel. Absolutely, I haven't been out to the pool yet. Excited to get there for your in a few, Brad. I mean, you're a little fair skin. I mean, I don't know if that'd be best. I have, a, I have this long sleeve shirt. It's UV okay. protecting. Okay. It, uh, I it have been on me. air with red hair more this <laughs> yeah. week uh, between yeah. the two of you and Tim Murray yeah. than ever before in my entire life. Um, <laughs> Brad Powers, thanks so much for being here, man. People find you on Twitter at Brad Powers Seven. Obviously, yep. they know where you are. They're watching. I'm Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. This is Douglas Farmer at D underscore Farmer. Nailed it. Got it right there. Thanks for watching. To the uh, ho hopefully the first. Of, uh, of a few in the future crossover episodes of Hit the Books HQ and Never Punt, comma, Never Parlay. You can find both of those uh, part of the Hammer Betting Network on YouTube at the Hit the Books HQ channel. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you soon. Let's play some football.